Noster isn't just a social network, in a similar way that Bitcoin isn't just a transaction network. Both of these things are true, but they each miss the more significant elements of what they accomplish. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. Now, I really wanted to... Um, I'm Guy Swan, by the way. I'm your host, the guy who's read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. Don't forget that. Um, but I really wanted to get into the guy's take today on the banking crisis. Uh, but as I was going through my notes, I just have had this thing stuck in my head for a couple of days. And I wrote out an, wrote out an article. And it, it makes no sense for me not to have an audio version of my own article. And it's short. It's not, it's not a very long article. But I'm publishing it on Nostra, on blogstack.io. And it's one of those things that I couldn't think clearly about the banking crisis stuff because this was just in my head and I had to get it out. So that's what I'm doing today. I'm getting this out of my head so I can go back and focus on the guy's take for Brad Mills' piece. Um, but this is uh, kind of a culmination of a few different things that I've talked about. And I've talked about this, this in the context of Nostra on the show and I've talked about it in the context of Keat and Hole Punch. Um, and I've been really excited about these protocols and uh, excited about what they can do. And while I have expanded on it, I, I think there's a couple of different pieces that I've hit in various different places and various different conversations that I just kind of wanted to bring together in a short piece that just kind of laid out the argument. Because I think there's something genuine here. And I think there's very, very good reason. I, I think, and I talk about this in the guy's take, is that I think a lot of people tend to be pessimistic, that when something goes wrong or there's some sort of a problem, that we just kind of resign ourselves to, well, that's just how it is, and there's nothing we can do. It's centralized social media, and they're going to censor us, and all this stuff. And we just kind of like, we kind of become demoralized about the fact that None of this is necessary. Like, this is up to us, and we can solve it. And no, people aren't just stupid, and they're just going to always be subservient. Like, people wake up. People are adaptable. People are agile. And people will use what works best. And I see absolutely no reason, and I think there's good reason from the history of the internet itself, to suspect that we can actually make the private, encrypted, decentralized alternatives work the best and not just work the best but do entirely novel things that centralized alternatives can't pull off so this is my brain dump on this topic i wanted to share it with you guys and for a change we're going to read a guy swan article on this show we haven't done that in a really long time so i really hope you guys enjoy it real quick i want to thank swan Bitcoin. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash guy. They're longtime sponsor of this show and they are an amazing resource. And just the, if you're getting into Bitcoin, just go to swanbitcoin.com slash guy. I'm telling you. They're just a phenomenal place to buy Bitcoin and learn about Bitcoin and anything that you're trying to do to get into Bitcoin. It's just not going to sell you a bunch of shit coins or encourage you to gamble or try to push PayPay coin on you. I mean, seriously, what more can you ask for? And make sure you get a solid highly secure cold storage device like the cold card like the tap signer the uh, any of the bitcoin hardware devices that they have available at coinkite.com and don't forget you can get nine percent off with code bitcoin audible that is right there in the show notes so you don't have to remember it and then lastly if you use my link to get the fold debit card or to sign up with fold you will get fifty thousand sats for free just for trying it out this is the best way, this is one of the best ways, literally, to stack sats all the time, just by doing the things that you already do. I switched my debit card from PNC to Fold, and now I literally have 22 million extra sats that just from paying bills, buying groceries, going on, going to conferences. Seriously, check it out if you haven't. And with that, let's get into today's article. And it's titled, 
The Fruit of the Noster Tree by Guy Swan Noster isn't just a social network. That's simply the first use case to sprout from the Noster Tree. Simple Blocks, Complex Change Noster isn't just a social network, in a similar way that Bitcoin isn't just a transaction network. Both of these things are true, but they each miss the more significant elements of what they accomplish. In my mind, the source of Noster's true potential is twofold. First, in fundamentally changing the centralized server model into an open environment of redundant relays. And second, it eliminates the association of clients with their IP address and metadata and replaces it with identification via public keys. Within this one-two punch lies the most important tools necessary to actually re-architect all of the major services on the internet, not just social media. Social is simply the interface by which we will connect all of them. The combination of this simple data and ID management protocol with decentralized money in Bitcoin and Lightning as a global payments network enables Noster to build marketplaces, quote, websites, podcast feeds, publishing of articles, video, media of all kinds, auction networks, tipping and crowdfunding applications, note-taking, data backups, global bookmarks, decentralized exchanges and betting networks, browser or app profiles that follow you wherever you go, and tons more. Except that these things can be built without all of the negative consequences of being hosted and controlled by central servers. It separates both the data and the client identity from the server hosting it, handing the ownership back to the owner of the keys. We could think of it loosely as permissionless server federations, though this isn't entirely accurate, I think it's useful. Anyone can host, anyone can join, and the data is agnostic to the computer it sits on at any given time. The walls are falling away. Efficiency versus robustness. There is also a major secondary problem solved by these building blocks. A byproduct of solving censorship is creating robustness, both in data integrity, but also in data continuity. While the fiat world is so foolishly focused on, quote, efficiency as the optimal goal of all interaction, it naively ignores the incredible fragility that comes with it. It is far more efficient for one factory to produce all of the computer chips in the world. Why build redundant manufacturing to produce the same thing when one big factory can do it just fine? Yet anyone who thinks for more than a few seconds about this can see just how vulnerable it would leave us, as well as how much corruption such efficiency would wind up enabling. Noster is not alone either. Hole Punch is a purely peer-to-peer -peer model, rather than based on relays, that accomplishes the same separation in a different way. One where the clients and servers become one in the same. Everyone is the host. Essentially a BitTorrent-like protocol that removes the limitation of the data being static. The combination of their trade-offs and what these protocols can do together is practically limitless. While Noster begins building its social network, combining it with what Synonym is building with their web of trust, the critical ingredient of which is public key identification, we can then weigh information by the trust in our social graph. Not too long ago, a friend and I used Noster to verify who we were communicating with. We shared a Keat, built on hole punch, room key over an encrypted Noster DM and opened a peer-to-peer -peer encrypted chat room where we could troubleshoot a Bitcoin wallet problem and safely and privately share very sensitive data. The casual ease by which we made this transaction, enabled by these tools, had us both pause in awe of just how powerful they could be for the privacy and security of all communication. And this is just the very beginning. The glue of Lightning and Bitcoin making possible the direct monetization of the infrastructure in all of the above has me more bullish on the re-architecting of the internet than ever in my life. It cannot be reasonably called an insignificant change in incentives to remove both the advertiser and the centralized payment processor from in between the provider and the customers online. The base plumbing of the internet itself 
may very well be on the verge of the greatest shift it has ever gone through. A Tale of Two Network Effects I would argue that the most significant historical shift in the internet architecture was the rise of social media. It was when we discovered that the internet was about connecting people rather than computers. The social environment quickly became the dominant window by which the average person looked into the web. It's the place where we go to be connected to others and get a perspective of the world and a filter for its avalanche of information as seen through our trust networks and social circles. But consider how incredibly neutered the experience really is when money isn't allowed to flow freely in this environment and how much it actually would flow if not for both centralized payment processors and the horrible KYC and regulatory hurdle it entails for large centralized entities. The first time around, we failed to accomplish a global open protocol for user identity. And because of this, our social connections were owned by the server on which we made them. They owned our digital social graph. Without them, it is erased. This is an incredible power. The pressures of the network effect to find people rather than websites took a decentralized open internet protocol and re-centralized it into silos controlled by barely a few major corporations. The inevitable abuse of this immense social power for political gain is so blatantly obvious in retrospect that it is almost comical. But there is a kind of beautiful irony here that the flip side of the network effect's negative feedback that centralized us into social media silos is the exact same effect that could present an even greater force in pushing us back toward decentralization. When our notes and our highlights have the same social graph as our social media, our quote Instagram has the same network as our quote Twitter, our podcasts reach the same audience, our video publishing has the same reach, our marketplace is built in. Our reputation carries with us to every application. Our app profiles are encrypted and can't be spied on. Our data hosting can be paid directly with Zaps. Our event tickets can be permanently available. Our history, our personal AI, practically anything. And every bit of it is either encrypted or public by the user's sole discretion and is paid for in a global, open market of hosts competing to provide these services for the fewest sats possible. Case in point, I'm paying sats for some premium relays and I'm paying a simple monthly fee to Noster.Build for hosting media. All of this without having to keep up with a thousand different f***ing accounts and passwords for every single arbitrarily different utility under the sun without having to set up another account to try another service offering a slightly different thing or even just one feature you want to explore, where the, quote, confirm with your email bullshit is finally relegated to the hack job security duct tape that it really is. The frustrating and post hoc security design that is so common on the internet could finally become a thing of the past, and instead, just one or a few secure cryptographic keys could give us access and control over our digital lives. The same network effect that centralized the internet around social media will be the force that could decentralize it again. When all of these social use cases and connections compound on each other's network effect rather than compete with each other, what centralized silo in the world can win against that. Now, this is not to dismiss the number of times others have tried to build similar systems, or that it's even close to the first time it has been attempted to put cryptographic keys at the heart of internet communications, which brings me to the most important piece of this little puzzle. It actually works. I obviously don't know exactly how this will play out, and I don't know what becomes dominant in any particular area, how relays will evolve, or what applications will lean toward the relay model, while others may lean P2P, and still others may remain client-server. But I do think the next decade will experience a shift in the internet significant enough that the words relay and peer may very well, with a little hope and a lot of work, 
replace the word server in the lexicon of the internet. The tools are here. The network is proving itself. The applications are coming. The builders are building. And Noster, Hole Punch, Bitcoin, and their like are each, slowly but surely, taking over a new part of my digital life every week. Case in point, I'm publishing this short article on blogstack.io. It will travel across all of Noster. I'm accepting zaps with my LNURL. It is available on numerous sites that aggregate kind 30023 articles. My entire social graph will get it in their feed, and there will be a plethora of different clients, apps, websites, etc., through which the users will see this note, each with their own features and designs. Seriously, why the f*** would I bother starting a substack and beg people for their email addresses? This is only the beginning, and I'm fully here for it. I came for the notes and the plebs, but it's the other stuff that will change the world. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, let's hit our sponsor really quick, and then I want to do a guy's take because there's a lot of nuance that doesn't exist in this article, and there's a couple of caveats and things that I want to hit um, that I just didn't feel like had a nice place in the article. I just, I like how this felt, so uh, let's elaborate in the guy's take. But before we get into it, did you hear that they are trying to freeze accounts at Binance? That the SEC is now suing Coinbase for securities trading? Now, if I had funds on these exchanges, I would be freaking out. But since I have my funds on my cold card, I don't have that problem. Please, for the love of God, if you have money on an exchange right now, if you have Bitcoin on an exchange, get it off immediately. Then get yourself a cold card, a tap signer, any sort of hardware security device to keep your keys safe and get them offline and move your Bitcoin to it. You do not want to be stuck in this fight. You want to know that you hold your keys and you want to know that they are in your possession. CoinKite makes numerous amazing products for exactly this purpose. They have been around for a long time and you can get 9% off every single one of them. Between Ledger, Coinbase, Binance, between all of the developments recently, I cannot imagine a more perfect situation and environment to be like, you should just get a freaking cold card and move your Bitcoin to it. Again, that's 9% off with code Bitcoin Audible. The link will be right there in the show notes for your convenience. Seriously, get your Bitcoin off exchanges. All right. With that, let's jump back in. So one thing I wanted to bring up first is the idea of decentralized identity and how much everyone who has attempted to solve this problem, at least, at least in crypto, has spent so long trying to make some centralized list that that there for some reason there needed to be some source of truth there needed to be consensus and you know there needed to be a blockchain it's like urls or something like then that's also why namecoin is actually the the original altcoin like the very first altcoin was actually interesting to me because URLs are actually something where there is some degree, you do need to have consensus. Like if you have www.google.com, then um, somebody else can't have google.com, right? Like it needs to go to Google. But what's funny is that it's a little bit of an abstraction in the sense that you're looking at a centralized model that's just on top of IP addresses. So the IP address is in in some sense of the word more decentralized in its issuance you are you're allocated by the device that you connect to a subnet of of that network now you do have isps and everything have to buy ip addresses or ip address space in order to issue because they have to talk on this network but this is largely a consequence of the fact that ip addresses were not made for tens of billions of devices, hundreds of billions of devices online. And so we ran into the scaling limitations of IP addresses insanely quickly, and we've basically hack-jobbed layers on top of it in order to make it scale. Um, but the, that's the thing about keys. When you're actually identifying people or you're identifying the, the data associated with a person, there is no, uh, there's no problem with the key space. Right. There's no there's no collisions there. So 
as long as you can verify the connection or the establishment of someone's key, which may mean you have to verify a meet space that this is, is exactly who you're talking to, or you lean on some trust, um, uh, some trusted network to verify someone for you. Uh, like a good example, actually, I think it was Simisol, uh, which I guess I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. Um, somebody on Noster uh, the other day, and I liked it, and I came up with like, I was like, I almost wrote like two paragraphs underneath it, and I was like, this is stupid, I shouldn't. It's like one of those like, but actually sort of comments. Um, <laughs> uh, so I just deleted it and like, you know, went on, on Noster, but uh, somebody posted, um, uh, what was it? Uh, the vest, the verification, like the, oh, NIP05. NIP05 is not verification. And I think I understood the point of it. And part of it I agree with and part of it I don't. So one of the interesting things about, uh, so NIP05, if you're just like having someone verify, they're just basically saying you are who you are on your behalf or you're connecting it to something like Twitter to some more well-known social account that you then lean on. Like a great example of, like a sub-example is that Noster Nests has you verify by posting uh, a verification on your Noster pub key so that they know this is who you are on Noster. But obviously that doesn't, me verifying with my public key doesn't verify that my pub key is me. Like you, you don't necessarily know any of that. I could be faking it all or I could be, I, I hell hell at this point, I could be a girl that's using an AI voice that's trained on Guy Swan, but um, I'm not. Well, actually, maybe I am. But essentially though, there's no uh, there's no digital verification that is the verification of real life. And then NIPO5 is largely, you're leaning on someone else's verification. Like, so for the example of Twitter is that your, your transfer, it's a transfer of trust. It's kind of a trust redistribution. You're moving from your Twitter network and you're connecting that with a verification through, you know, some sort of public post. But again, it just means that somebody has a password to my account or an admin on the website or that, again, is that account actually me? Like people are just kind of assuming that the guy swan on Twitter is me. So there's like layers and layers of trust and derivations of trust and, you know, transfers and all of that stuff. But I bring all this up just to say that ultimately what the key does is establish continuity in who you are talking to. And if your communication is based on that key, you don't really need consensus on some URL or some name because you won't have conflicts. You won't have collisions. The space of keys is essentially infinite. So kind of the idea of trying to create a consensus network or a, a centralized hub by which everyone needs to announce their identity or purchase space on seems kind of, seems very much trying to take the limitations of the old system and force a new system into it rather than just thinking about the problem in the sense that you just need someone to own it, like to own their own. And you can still have URLs in front of it. You can still have a consensus model or a naming convention on top of it if you want, but why do you need it? What about that is really important to establishing a connection with someone or knowing who you were verifying who you were talking to, especially when all that name is going to be is a way to relate to some subset of keys. Now, obviously, you want this thing to be human readable, and that's why we have labels and names that you can use on, you know, things like Noster. But again, how simple is the transfer of trust from something like Twitter or the ability to leverage the continuity of identity across spaces? Because if my Noster identity, if my Noster pub key ends up becoming the dominant thing, a dominant source of trust for whether or not other accounts elsewhere are in fact some do in fact belong to me then you realize that the entire problem is just a bootstrapping of where the current dominant source of trust and the current dominant network lies. Like as soon as Noster becomes the dominant network there, it becomes irrelevant to then transfer trust from Twitter. You know, I'm, I'm doing the opposite. I'm taking 
the fact that everybody knows that my public key, in fact, Twitter is by far the least, the, the less reliable uh, option there as far as who I am as Noster, because I can actually sovereignly own my identity on Noster. I can generate keys permissionlessly, very much like generating addresses on Bitcoin. And in that same sense, like why would we need consensus on like what addresses might be mine in the future? We don't. We just generate them at random whenever we need to. And a lot of this thinking and, you know, what inspired the article is actually based on uh, Pablo's work with Insect Bunker is the fact that because this is actually the exact same model that Keat and Hole Punch use, or it's the it's the same idea that Keat and Hole Punch do natively, and they need to go in the opposite direction. So here's the funny thing. So Noster, you create a public key, uh, excuse me, you create a private key, and then you take that private key and any client that you want to use you then paste into that client in order to uh, in order to have your identity in that, and then you can sign and publish from that new client. Now, obviously, this is the bare bones beginning of this system. Like when you when you start with generating the private key, and then that's your identity. Um, uh, well, then obviously the the step of using multiple clients is to take that key with you to those other clients but that's a big security problem right now you have to post paste a bunch of private keys everywhere well insect bunker uh is a tool that allows you to keep your private key separate and issue permissions to a device based key or to a specific client based key so essentially you have a master key and then every single client or device that you use generates a completely fresh key, but that is granted access to sign with your, your main key remotely so that you're not actually transmitting any private key data. So you can actually, it, it's basically a hardware wallet in a sense, right? Is that the reason you use a hardware wallet in Bitcoin is because you can sign uh externally to the device and you don't have to keep the keys alive as a hot wallet well this is essentially in a large sense it's kind of the same thing is that you separate the key to some sort of device where you're confirming and you're granting cryptographic permission for another key to post or even do selective posting like it can only do some it only has tokens for some specific job or a specific time period or something which is really really cool but um uh, so in doing so is that it makes it very easy to maintain security. But again, it's starting from the universal key and then creating individual keys. Now, the funny thing is, is that, that has, that's the reverse with Keat and Hole Punch right now. Is right now with Keat and Hole Punch, every single device has a new key and they're creating a system where you have a universal key that then is like proves that it is the source of each of these individual keys. So it's just moving the opposite direction. It already has keys for all the devices and they're trying to create a quote unquote contacts like a master key in order to control permissions or to basically verify or produce the signature necessary to know that this this device is Guy Swan's iPhone, this device is Guy Swan's iPad, this device is Guy Swan's desktop or MacBook. Or, or not really that in particular, it's just that all three of these devices are in fact Guy Swan because there's a master key that has ver has signed and verified. And most importantly is that master that master key never has to be online. Um, it basically does that verification once and now you have three different keys that all just are Guy Swan according to the protocol or according to the um uh the all of the users recognition of the data you know their interpretation of the data so it's kind of funny that the way it's done is actually they're literally both accomplishing the exact same task in a way uh just from different directions the keat and hole punch started with every single device every single instance has a new key um and nostr started with there's a universal key and you're pasting it into every single instance and then Nostra's moving in the direction of let's separate the key and Keat and Hole Punch is moving in the direction of let's create a master key. And that's actually what, that's why they're implementing what Synonym is up to. So Synonym.2, I believe it is, um, uh, is that's John Carvalho's project. And, uh, and that team over there is they're building the, with the BitKit wallet, um, which I really, really love, by the way. I, I still recommend, I haven't really talked about it much on the show recently. Um, but it's essentially a peer-to-peer -peer decentralized contact list. 
which again is kind of moving the opposite direction from Noster. It's, it's getting there from the opposite direction, but accomplishing the same thing. So all of these altcoins that have tried to pull this off and tried to create some consensus network and tried so hard to have some extra layer of verification and all of these things, I, I feel like are subjecting themselves or, or taking the idea of trying to build something that is huge, complex, and has many, many different pieces when just going back to the very nature of the idea, start with something incredibly simple that can just be implemented. And from that, we can build all of this complexity. And literally, Keat and whole punch have, I mean, Keat and Noster, or whole punch and Noster have done the, the, that exact same thing. They've just come at it from two different angles. Is the simple version is, well, let's just have a key for every device. And in Noster, the simple version is, let's just have users generate a key. We don't need a database. We don't need a server. We don't need a blockchain to publish them all publicly. Like, why? We just need, we just need the data to get to them based on that public key. And the simple fact of the matter is that that enables them to deliver, to build an ecosystem, to have an environment. And that's exactly what initiates the excitement, the, the fervor, the pressure to build and expand and do something new on it. Bitcoin wasn't a final product when it launched. Noster isn't a final product. It's not even close. It was literally the bare minimum of what needed to happen or needed to be published in order to actually just accomplish the task of being able to have a group of relays to transmit social feeds between text from one person to another and that everybody is identified by their key. I mean, it's, it's really simple. It's almost freakish that this hasn't been done before for as incredibly well as this thing has been implemented. Like, I spend the same, I spend more time on Noster than I do Twitter. I don't have as large of a network over there. I, I don't, I, it, like, just think about that. That's never been the case. I have tried out so many of these things in the past and never once has it ever managed to achieve my focus, my attention. And now I'm excited because I just didn't want to start a Substack. And by the way, my comment about like, why would I start a Substack and beg people for email addresses? I'm actually not shitting on anybody who started a Substack. I really wanted to do a Substack myself. But it's just when I think about it in the context of what has a future and what is just kind of a redundant way of doing the old thing, I get excited about blogstack.io. I get excited about Noster article kinds, you know, kind notes or whatever. I don't get excited about Substack. It's just like, oh, I guess I don't do Medium anymore. I'll do a Substack instead. And email addresses are actually a great kind of last resort decentralized option like it's not a bad thing to have a mailing list in fact that's exactly why it's something that is highly encouraged especially in the era of centralized social media because email is actually still decentralized and when you have email addresses you can still reach your social graph even if it is taken from you off twitter so it's a great way to kind of hedge against the the ownership of your social graph or the ownership of your network connections, your the peers and your followers and uh, the the people who you follow, uh, to to hedge against the ownership or the fact that the server itself owns it. That wherever I made that connection, if I made that connection on Twitter, Twitter owns it. Twitter controls it. Twitter decides whether or not I get shadow banned, whether or not I get I get suspended, and if they decide that I don't have I they don't think I deserve my social graph anymore, it's fucking gone. It's gone. So email addresses are a wonderful last resort, but it is also very clunky. And personally, I hate email. I hate managing email. It's a pain, and I get you know just spam and just. It just sucks. I really don't want to have to lean on email, even though I know it's kind of the best bad option right now. So I don't, I'm not shitting on anybody for doing a Substack and saving email addresses, but it's just like that's my initial response. Is like, do I have to start a Substack and keep email addresses? But then Noster comes in and says, well, why don't you just make, why don't you just write an article here and it publishes to everyone? You don't, have to, you don't have to 
send out a newsletter. You don't have to manage all this shit. Like, how cool is it that I have that reach, the same reach that I have for just posting normal stuff? And anybody goes to blogstack.io, anybody who sees the short version of it on Noster can click on it and read the full article, can tip me, can, you know, throw me sats. Like, the combination of this, the fact that that compounds, my Substack is a different set of network connections than my Twitter, if, if that's what we're comparing it to. That's why you have to ask for email addresses because you have to you have to rebuild your social graph. So a lot of this is just really to say from very simple beginnings, do highly complex and organic things grow? Now, another little nuance that I want to pull into this is I, I go through I have a, a paragraph there where everything's going to be built on Noster. Marketplaces, quote, websites, podcast feeds, publishing of articles, auction networks, blah, 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 blah. And I want to make sure that I'm clarifying. Uh, and, and maybe a good example is the difference between something like Iris and Nostergram. Is uh, Noster or Nostergram um, is very focused on the way the media is sent to you or actually no blogstack.io versus iris or nostagram or primal uh is actually the better example is example because blogstack only sees the articles right so there will be what i mean by this is that i'm not suggesting that the damas app or amethyst or iris is going to turn into the itunes of noster it's just gonna have everything in it it's the fact that each client can specialize and filter exactly the sort of environment exactly the sort of content the the sort of filtering and blocking uh and the kind of content like blogstack.io like abla.news they only show the articles they they filter out all the other stuff what i'm then doing is going from website to website or client to client to filter the type of relationship i want to have with my social graph that i want to have with my network to filter the type of information that I am particularly interested in or the way that I, I hope to see it right now. And that can be filtered down even further. We're, we're talking about the ability to, especially with, in the context of like AI, we could have a filter where I only see political posts. I only see happy posts. I'm only going to see posts that are going to piss me off and that I want to argue with. The market is no longer... The, or the server, the, the, the relationship between us and the relay is no longer about being able, is, is about owning, they don't own the social graph, they don't own my network connections, they don't own my circle of trust, they don't own the keys. All they own is the interface by which we view those connections, by which we view that data. And in doing so, what they are selling us, what they are providing us, is a very particular experience. Whether it's low latency, whether it's uh, a particular type of engagement, whether it's a particular type of spam filtering. All of these things now become parts of the marketplace of providing some sort of benefit or some special experience or some very specific filter for the avalanche of information that is going to be and already is our network and social circles. So it's not it's not that like I'm going to go to Domus and everybody's going to have like a big freaking marketplace on their profile and then in in then in, in that there's going to be their podcast and they're all the blah 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 like that all this crap is just all going to be crammed in this one thing and it's going to be chaos and I'm going to have to figure out like how the hell do I, do I see I just want to see their tweets you know um it's going to be the opposite it's that Domus is specifically the the tweet version of it or the Instagram version of it, whereas, oh, here's a great example, here's a great example, is that what if Fountain, in fact, I'm going to call out Fountain, because they have already taken advantage of the fact that, um, uh, of doing zaps, right, on Noster, how cool would it be if the messages on Fountain were actually a subset of messages on Noster, 
that people could actually log into Fountain with their their Noster keys and they can actually send messages. And I got them in DMs or I got them in like a special uh, feed of specifically Fountain related comments. And so they could click on it and and I could post clips from Fountain to Noster. Like what, what if that relationship, what if it wasn't a separate thing? What if they actually integrated that? Because Fountain, for better or for worse, you, you know, as, as much as I love that app, it is a little clunky and the interface is a little weird. And the fact that I have to go hunting for comments, it would actually be really, really cool if in Iris or in some sort of a client, I got notifications of sub Fountain key, like, like, you, know, like you specifically published it to a key on like fountains noster account or something i mean i don't know how you would exactly manage it from a technical perspective there's probably a hundred different ways that you could do it to make sure that it wasn't just bloating my normal notifications or something but regardless you could have it in such a way that um my when i publish something on noster and or i published an episode or i shared an episode or something that if they commented or if they zapped it showed up in my fountain that you, you could integrate these things. There's no reason I have a completely different chat set up and a completely different account. I could log in with that and I could connect it to my host, whatever my podcast host is, or whatever my RSS feed is. And again, my social graph, my network reach is one in the same. So if anybody used their Nostra account to then log into fountain, who's never used fountain before ever in their discover page, they could see all the people they follow on Nostra who have podcasts. Which they, which on normal, a normal Noster client like Domus or something, they may never have even seen. They may have liked my stuff for some completely different reason. They, you know, they might have been following Nunya Business just because he had a great, uh, uh, you know, great quip or a meme about some whatever thing that day. And then they go to Fountain and uh, log in with their Noster key, and boom, they have a Fountain, a Fountain account already with things propagated, and they're like. Bitcoin and let me check out this podcast. Oh shit, that's none your business. I'm already following them. They're in the Discover feed and they can already comment. They can already send them zaps. You, you're, you're building a kind of foundation that you can then leverage for any of these other apps. Not to say that all of these apps will be packed into one thing. That would be a horrible experience generally. But those fundamental pieces can be universal everywhere you go. And that's the most important element of being able to connect to being able to connect to data, to connect to your social graph, regardless of which host or which relay you choose at any given time. And this is also why uh, I I still think Hole Punch and uh, what they're building over at Synonym and Keat and everything on that protocol is actually going to work in tandem uh, is going to be a major part of making Noster one of the universal interfaces for this sort of ecosystem because essentially the data itself is identified by keys, by the stream it is signed. Whereas, so like a decent example is that where I'm paying for Noster.build because I have a premium or a creator account, whatever it is, which I really, really love that service. But right now it is basically just a centralized server that I'm just paying for straight, right? Like, like, like I'm just paying for a host and then posting those links and they embed in my Noster stuff. But in my feed, it's just a link. Like a great example is the image that I generated for this article itself. The image doesn't actually exist on Noster. It's, it exists on a server on Noster.build. And then I link to it. So if Nostra.build goes down, then so does the image. However, with Keat and Hole Punch, anyone who is consuming that article or that image or that video or whatever can actually be a, a distributed host of it. So this is what Keat does with the chat rooms. Now, I know a lot of people probably have their only uh, interaction with Keat is the mobile client which is actually way better than it used to be. So if you if you used Keat at the very beginning and you notice it was like super sluggish and uh, it didn't load stuff half the time, like it was it was really rough at the beginning. It's actually vastly improved. Now the the big rooms update was supposed to they they said or they estimated that it would be done before the end of May or it would be released before the end of May. 
um, but it is not released yet. They have made a bunch of updates throughout. They do still do one like every week or something. Uh, <clears throat> um, and it's vastly, vastly improved on mobile. But I'll tell you, it works like gangbusters on desktop. I have constantly used it on desktop. I still have a working group for Bitcoin Audible with a number of different people who are not particularly inclined toward any of this type of stuff that I just, I just give them a key and it works. There's our chat room. And even when my Linux node is offline, just because I've been doing, I've changing a lot of things and I've been, you know, working on the new computer and stuff. Um, all I have to do is make sure that as long as we're both open in the chat app, there's basically no delay. Like everything just works. But let's say there's a client that can read hole punch keys for some subset of data or a stream or whatever it is and so you can link to a particular message or a particular piece of media that is actually on a handful of different devices and because it's peer-to-peer -peer, you don't have a you don't have to have a server facing you don't have to have a, a clear net server you can have only the Noster relay needs to be the clear net and then you can connect peer-to-peer -to, -peer to get the information or the media itself so it's pretty much like it's very similar to WebTorrent in that way. Imagine WebTorrent was built into Twitter or something where you could just host a you could just make a post and then you publish the torrent for a movie file or an image or something. And then it just displayed as if you were embedding like a YouTube link or something. This is now actually possible with a combination of Hole Punch and Noster without any central servers. And another good example of why I think Hole Punch has massive potential to work in tandem with this. There's still a lot of people, um, I think Fiat, Fiat Jaff in particular, um, uh, shits on anything peer-to-peer, -peer. <laughs> um, which, uh, which is understandable. Everything peer-to-peer -peer in my experience, everything attempting to be that didn't work. Um, like it's always been a, a thing. I mean, all of these quote-unquote decentralized networks and applications and all of these things have felt subpar they felt like knockoffs or attempted versions of things i was trying to accomplish or something i was hoping it could do that never really never really filled the whole bill never really accomplished the most important pieces of the puzzle and they always felt sluggish or they ran into some plateau, plateau that they could never get past. And, you know, I, you know, maybe, maybe this goes the way of IPFS, you know, maybe it, there's still a limitation here and, you know, I'm just not seeing where the S curve is going to stop and like, you know, essentially make the model not scale or not work. But I'm inclined to think that's not the case. And particularly, most particularly in comp, combination you know BitTorrent didn't replace the web right it wasn't it's, it's not as if uh BitTorrent was an entirely different model of the web but for its corner of the web it was a massive corner of the web i think it i believe i said at some point on the show that it was actually a majority of the internet traffic but i don't think that was actually ever the case i think it like peaked at like somewhere in the 40% of all internet traffic was actually BitTorrent. But that is still massive. And for all the discussions of peer-to-peer -peer doesn't work, that could not be a more prime example of peer-to-peer -peer working perfectly well and scaling incredibly well. But you know what it didn't have? It didn't have live data. It didn't have a live front on it. It didn't have a way to manage who you were connecting to and verifying the data that you were connecting to. I mean, granted, BitTorrent itself did verify each packet and the data. That's why you could download it simultaneously from 50 different people. But that's not what I mean. I mean a way to navigate trust of who was publishing. Like you would actually, it's the BitTorrent aggregator or the website that is, again, denoting who the user is quote unquote and who's uploading it and what their trust profile is that's not separate that was never a part of it and if you wanted a website that updated if you wanted a podcast feed or a, a movie that changed or a feed that uh, a, a social feed that you could update every day and people could still find you had to have a different torrent like as soon as the data is different 
the torrent, the old torrent isn't valid. So you're completely changing, you're resetting the graph again. It's not live data, it's a static file. But you know what BitTorrent did do insanely well? Clear data. I mean, it just moved information. Anytime I would download a large media file, just having five or ten peers on BitTorrent, it was almost always the fastest way to do it. Now, it's not the case for every sort of element or every sort of interaction with BitTorrent that it was by any means the most, the simplest interface or anything, but think about the fact that the access to the information, that the ability and the data stream, the, the speed by which I could get it, the bandwidth, was optimal. It was best on a peer-to-peer -peer network. Its trade-offs and the places where it failed were in identity, were in trust, were in building an interface, separate interfaces for where that data existed, in being able to monetize that infrastructure, monetize the hosting of that information. And then, of course, in the fact that that data was static, that it wasn't a live feed, that it couldn't be an ever-growing and changing chat conversation, DMs, a social feed. You couldn't follow people and see what they continued to publish without yet another centralized entity somewhere in the mix. It was one piece of a possible stack that failed in four or five other critical areas. Now, what of those areas, of those four or five things that I just mentioned, does the combination of hole punch, Noster, Bitcoin, and Lightning not solve. It's literally all those, it's all the pieces of that puzzle. I mean, I've hosted, I've had video conversations with multiple peers, like four or five people over Keat live, and there's no central server. And data streams are great. Like, I, I want pushback. Like, I, why can't it work? Why can't we build this into the stack and actually accomplish these things? And then, what can those identities and what Nostra built, like think about again, go back to all this stupid crap that shit coins are trying to create. When, when you fundamentally break down what is needed, so talking about like why consensus isn't needed for keys or for identities and that you don't need some central server where everybody posts who they are, that you can easily manage this in a distributed way and there doesn't need to be consensus, there doesn't need to be a blockchain. Well, in that same sense, think about DAOs. Think about auctions and decentralized exchanges why do you need why do you need some centralized consensus why does it need to be on a blockchain that everybody makes these trades that's actually kind of a big negative because you can do wash trading you can do you can front run people well what if it's just person to person what if the dao is just people putting liquidity in together and then deciding how to use it and all contributing to, you know, a, a joint project or in, in a key room or something in, a, in a, th a thread of code and a project, an application that's being updated or something that's being run while everybody's, each person is playing a part of the role in accomplishing this, the task of this institution or this, this group. Why is it that like making, granting everybody's tokens and then having some sort of like tiny democracy where everybody's voting on stuff and like a governance thing doesn't why is that necessary is is that is that not the case of taking the old system and just trying to make it fit into the new rather than just fundamentally looking at what it is like an institution is just a group of people agreeing to work on the same goal what why do you where in that is a shitcoin really beneficial don't you just need trust? You need to know who you're working with and you need a way to verify the contributions of each individual person? I mean, what can't be built simpler? By removing all of these vestiges of the old way of doing it, this, this attempt to make it look like a security, sometimes it just feels to me like we're trying to fit organs into a fungus. <laughs> you know, if, if uh, the decentralized alternative is more like a fungus in the fact that um, going back to Brandon Quittam's thesis that Bitcoin is fungi, um, is that it responds individually, that it's, that it's a network 
where each piece basically has its own incentives and its own response to its environment and it adapts at each location to its situation and it creates this kind of swarm of everybody accomplishing the same task of keeping the quote-unquote organism alive whereas kind of the idea of like oh we need a governance token and we need a governance board and we need everybody voting is kind of like being like well where we're going to stick the heart into the fungi and where we're going to put the liver and where are we going to put the central nervous system when that's fundamentally not how fungi works so if I had to come up with an analogy of why it seems like we're putting all of these, it's like the appendix or something, you know, it, we're, we're putting these things in it that's not actually necessary. It was just part of the process when we did not have these more fundamental tools to make these agreements or, or create these sorts of network connections. I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm basically just kind of going off at this point, but it just seems like we can build all of these things and we have all of these pieces going back to the idea that BitTorrent was one of the largest sources of bandwidth on the entire internet as a purely peer-to-peer protocol that had so many miss- missing pieces i mean so much of it wasn't there it didn't have ids it didn't have secure keys it didn't have privacy it didn't have live data. But now we do have all of those pieces. Is it too much to suspect or to hope that maybe we could build a stack that could be orders of magnitude better than BitTorrent and achieve the same thing BitTorrent did? 40% of the internet traffic. Okay, so I don't want to actually go back and edit this. Um... But I found out, I decided to look it up because I wanted to find the actual number. But it looks like in January of 2006, BitTorrent was, did actually account for over 70%. There was a study, so I was right originally. I don't know where I found that other statistic that it only actually maxed out. In November 2004, uh, sources were reporting BitTorrent was responsible for 35% of all internet traffic. But 2004 was just before a huge growth period. It was like 2008, 2007, um, or maybe 2006. The study by Cash Logic reports the following. June 2004, about 62% of all internet traffic is peer-to-peer related. Um, European traffic is 2005... This is on Torrent Freak. They do their homework. I, I like Torrent Freak. Okay, so it's specifically peer-to-peer traffic. And then 40% of that traffic was BitTorrent. And this was 2006. But in 2006, peer-to-peer traffic, so that included like eDonkey, BitTorrent, and basically a handful of alternatives. So it's it's not that BitTorrent specifically gained that share. It's that peer-to-peer traffic was the dominant bandwidth consumption on the internet until, of course, the rise of YouTube and Netflix, which fundamentally changed that. Now I think BitTorrent is like 3% or 4% of the network traffic. But I also read something not too long ago that that's actually partly because we can't see as much of it anymore. A lot of it's over VPN, so it doesn't look like peer-to-peer traffic necessarily. Um, And then also is that the bulk of the traffic that is peer-to-peer is actually streaming services, like like piracy streaming things like Kodi and uh, like these other, uh, like popcorn time back in the day. These sorts of things actually rose and they overtook BitTorrent specifically even though they used something like WebTorrent, like they, they leveraged a lot of that infrastructure, it wasn't considered the same sort of traffic. Anyway, little tidbit on, on that. I wanted to get that exact number. And so good to have a little bit of clarification. But the, the broader point is that look what that was able to accomplish. Like we think of the internet as not peer-to-peer anymore, we, but it was. There were the, the major mode of exchanging information was a completely different thing in the mid-2000s. We did not have this massive central servers. This is something that developed over time, and I think it's largely because we had a lot of different elements that weren't solved at the protocol level, that did not have an alternative that we got the benefit of on other platforms that, again, 
ownership of an account of a particular channel. You can follow someone. You can subscribe to someone on YouTube. Well, what happens when you can subscribe to someone on Noster and see their peer-to-peer feed? I don't know. I just think it's possible. It's just that we had to realize we, we had to watch all of these centralized alternatives rise to figure out what pieces of the puzzle they actually, like what job did they actually do? Why is it that YouTube succeeded if data was still very readily accessible on something like BitTorrent? What was the particular key difference that made that the better mode of transmitting data, especially when it's the more costly version? It is certainly not cheap to run YouTube servers. And there is a staggering amount of essentially paid for and allocated bandwidth for users that is not actually taken advantage of at all. I don't know. I just don't see why it can't work. Why we can't actually go back. We can't, well, not go back, but go forward into what we had hoped it was going to be in 2005, 2006. What they accomplished. We can actually do it better this time. Like way better. And I legitimately think that Noster could be at the center of accomplishing this. And again, going back to the most important piece of this puzzle is it just works. And on the no- notion of hole punch and stuff, there's a, there's a really simple, or hypercore is kind of the original name for it. Um, there's a really simple hypershell app that I use that lets me do a shell login. It took me almost, I mean, incredibly easy to set up on my Linux machine and on my Mac machine. And I have super fast, like almost instant access to a shell environment, to a terminal environment on my other machine. And there's no particular reason why that's limited to the shell other than the fact that that's how the tool is built. That could be a data server. That could be sharing. that That could be me running a program on the Linux machine and accessing it on my, like basically an API. What can we not build with this? I don't know, it just seems like we have all the pieces. Um, and not that the building is done, just the opposite. Like we, we have like all the Lego pieces necessary to you know, build the spaceship. That doesn't mean we don't have to do all the work of putting these pieces together. But I genuinely think we can. So that's what got me buzzing last night and uh, uh, had me finish up this article. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I literally, I was trying to do other things and trying to do another episode. I was trying to do the guy's take on the banking crisis. And I couldn't stop. I just, I get, I get running on one of these threads or whatever. And I just can't stop thinking about it and just have to, I have to get it out. So uh, that's why we're doing, that's why this was today's episode. And we will be uh, back to all the, now that I've gotten it out of my head, I can get back to all of the other things. So stay tuned. Uh, All the things we've talked about so far and so much more are coming so don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to check out Swan Bitcoin, CoinKite, 9% off discount. Guys, don't forget about that. And of course, Fold with some free sats over there. They are sponsors to the show and they make this possible to, so I can bring this to you. And uh, feel free to zap or highlight the article. There's some particular uh, thing that you like. I'd love to see, go to highlighter.com, I think it is, Pablo's uh, uh, thing. But I love to see this sort of interaction because I think we can utilize this a whole lot more. And I'm trying to remember to go do that, go, go do that more often. And I can't wait until that's like some sort of an extension in the browser because it's just cool to be able to see these things go together. Like one of the things I actually mentioned, not to get back into another thread, um, but app profiles is the ability ability to actually have your settings carry around with you because that's we're talking about an incredibly small amount of metadata that you can just put in like an encrypted block in Noster. Like so an example actually is uh, Noster bookmarks is that you can actually save them and carry them from relay to relay client to client and then when your highlights are this this is this is what Pablo is doing with I think it's Atlas um is a note taking app that actually you can carry these things around with you and honestly the potential of these things to not have all of these walled gardens with all these stupid apps like i've even had a couple of like a couple of you guys in the audio knots ask me about this like bitcoin pup you're talking you you've had the exact same experience it seems like that i have of just i you know you have 
1800 different apps and one works well on your phone and then one works on desktop and they're just it's all just a mess and you can't sort them out and so you think you saved this thing and you're like but where did i save it and then there you go through did i save it in readwise did i save it in Substack? is it a twitter bookmark and it just defeats the purpose of saving it when you can't find it but anyway like i said i'm not trying to go into a whole nother thread but uh, uh i just think there's fascinating amounts of potential here and you know a lot of i think a lot of people are pessimistic you know they see something go wrong um it, it's kind of a natural thing right like i talk to people on twitter and everybody's like oh you can't do anything about it i tell them like sound money would actually correct some sort of an incentive it's like no it's it's natural that the rich get richer and the poor get poor and everything gets more expensive and otherwise everything just collapse it's like it's either bad or it just doesn't work and it's like but what like so you're just saying things can't get better if we were there at one point like why don't we just like honestly look like it's not like incentives don't matter it's not like there's not real game theory and there's real push and pull we can't solve these problems we can solve these problems we can do that we can have a decentralized internet again i think we have all the pieces but if we don't actually go out and if we don't believe that it's possible why that we would never build it and it takes a whole lot of shit. It takes a massive amount of work and capital to build it. We have to first believe that 70% of the internet can be decentralized, private, encrypted, peer-to-peer traffic. If we don't believe it first, we would never in- make the investment or take the risk on trying to make it happen to realizing it. So, so why don't we at least do that? Let's believe it's possible. And then start asking the question of how do we do it? Because that is a much more interesting conversation. So thank you guys for listening, and I will catch you on the next episode of Bitcoin Audible. Until then, guys, take it easy. Because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning, and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is, there is something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression, and where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, You now have censors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and soliciting your submission. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War? Terror? Disease? There were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Alan Moore, V for Vendetta.